tonight. Just really quickly want to hit a couple of things so you know um, what's going on around here. There's more than this in your bulletin, but really quickly, this Wednesday, those of you that have been through Game Changers, your alumni of that course, you're getting together again, all of you, and uh, kind of re-going over some things that you've learned, and I want to encourage you, if you've been through that course, uh, Patricia Messer is doing a follow-up on that, so don't miss that. Then everybody here is creative we know that right at destiny there's no such thing as a group of people called the creatives oh, yeah. everybody's creative john lockberg is doing a class this wednesday called creativity and use you can learn how to tap into the creativity that god's placed on the inside of you by the way brian we celebrate with you brian can i announce it sure <laughs> we've been praying for it a bunch of you have been praying for it and brian got parole this week yay way to go man <laughs> yes, so we're so excited. I'm so pumped up for Brian, and he's got an awesome future ahead of him. Awesome future that God has planned. We love you. So the other things I want to let you guys know that aren't in the bulletin, though, but you can be sure you're starting to get it on your calendar. Um, May the 18th through the 20th, I think it is, is uh, Pentecost weekend. 50 hours of praying in tongues right here in this sanctuary. It is an awesome weekend. We're going to do it again this year. All kinds of painting things that go on, creativity and art. And so get that on your calendar. And then here's the big one I'm excited about. July the 13th through the 15th, we're going to do a conference with Chris Burns. Anybody remember Chris? Yeah, so it is going to be awesome. You can get it on your calendar July 13th through the 15th. As I said last week, this is not the lame duck session of Congress. Tan and I are not done yet, right? We've still got a few months left to just build a platform and a launching pad for the next phase that God wants to do. So we're excited about that. I'm not going to spend any more time on announcements. I'm so excited to have my friend Stephen here today. He is going to bring the word today. You're going to be blessed. Please welcome Pastor Stephen Noel. Amen. Thank you, Brent. I've known Brent and Tana so long that the Dead Sea was only sick. <laughs> Four weeks ago, I was actually in the Dead Sea. And if you have never had an opportunity to go to Israel, I encourage you to write it down and put it on your bucket list. Uh, it is an amazing trip. I used to say that the Bible was in black and white and now it's in color because I have actually walked where Jesus walked and experienced some of those moments. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, Pastor Brent and Tana and I go back a long ways, back to the early 90s when we were in what was called the Midwest District. I was a youth pastor in Littleton, Colorado, and uh, you were beginning your, no, you weren't even here yet. It was before you came to Rapid, and, but I do remember you guys went through one of the very first um, boot camps for planting a church, and uh, the whole Gestapo thing with the, with the dim light hanging over their head with the dripping tap kind of deal. They went through a lot of things in preparation for building uh, a foundation for this church, and here we are. I've never been here before. I'm so thankful to be here, and yesterday I had an opportunity to meet with your leadership and we spent a few hours together and it was absolutely an amazing time. A little bit of history of me. Um, I've been in ministry. This is my 40th year for being in ministry. I know I don't look it because you're going to tell me I look much younger than that, right? Thank you. Hello. Work with me here. Um, I've been married for 31 years. We have two children. 
Uh, Lindsay is 28 years old. Her and her husband are youth pastors in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. And they have given us two beautiful granddaughters, uh, Olivia, who is three, and Ellie, who is one. We have a son who is 25 years old. He's married to Jessica. And they live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is my home and native land. I am a Canadian and an American, so I'm both. I can be either or. Um, they are, um, Luke is the assistant worship pastor and the media pastor in a church in Sherwood Park, Edmonton, Alberta. And Nora, our third granddaughter, is nine months old. So there's a little bit of history on us. Uh, we also, uh, my wife and I, a senior pastor at church in Laramie, Wyoming. We, we are in our 11th year, almost our 12th year. And we have a wonderful group of people. And actually, they're meeting right now in their first service. We have services at 9 and 1045. But I have taken this moment to come away to be with your friends here and to enjoy this moment. Um, as an overseer, I am a pastoral, what, what do you call me, a divisional pastor over the area of Wyoming, over the area of South Dakota, and over the area of parts of Nebraska. About 16, 17 churches are under my care. And so it's been my privilege to come here and be a part of your church this weekend and process the movement that's happening with Pastor Brent and Tana stepping down as senior pastor. It's a big moment. It's a big moment. I do know your new pastor coming, Sean, as well. Most of you do as well. Actually, next Thursday, this coming Thursday night, I'm going to be having dinner with Pastor Sean in Laramie. He's coming up, and uh, I'm going to process all the things that we discussed yesterday with him. So this is a really uh, good transition. It's a smooth transition, and uh, it's not totally normal, but it's a good thing. It's a God thing. There's going to be some paradigm shifts for you when Pastor Sean gets here. When things happen and Pastor Sean says, we're going to do this, and, you, and you're going to say, well, Pastor Brent doesn't do it that way. You're going to have to kind of change that and allow Pastor Sean to be Pastor Sean. Do you want Pastor Sean to be Pastor Brent? No, you want Pastor Sean to be Pastor Sean. And you want Pastor Brent to still be Pastor Brent and Pastor Tana, right? Yeah. So we're going to kind of have to work through that together, and I trust that the Lord is going to guide us and lead us. If you turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18, we're going to talk a little bit today. Boy, you mentioned it, Brent. Who wants a breakthrough? Who wants a breakthrough? You know, there's times where we're working through stuff and we keep hitting the wall, don't we? And I really believe the Lord wants to bring a breakthrough in our lives, every one of us. It's very interesting to note that at some time, somewhere in your life, you have intersected or are intersecting a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It may be one of the reasons why you're here today because you're looking for a connection. You're looking for an answer. You're looking for help. Maybe it was a friend that said something to you. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a revival you went to. Maybe it was something on the television. Maybe it was something on the radio that spawned you to come to a place to find Destiny Foursquare Church, and you are looking for a connection with him. At some point, you have reached out or are reaching out to him and looking for him to bring you an answer. Now, many of you might agree with me that our nation needs a breakthrough. Hello? Our country needs a breakthrough. Our city needs a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. But before we can really get to the 
breakthrough that God wants to do, there's a couple things that need to happen before we get to the breakthrough. Number one, there needs to be a breaking. We have to come to that place of breaking. You know what? We are so full of pride. We're so full of that. We're all that in a bag of chips, and we don't need any help, and we can figure it all out. God needs to break us. And until you get to that place, you're not going to have a breakthrough until you have a breaking. And when you have a breaking, then it leads you to the next step, which is being broken. And when you are totally broken before God, that is when he begins to mold you and shape you and remake you into the image that he wants you to be. Through the Bible, there's this idea that a vessel is used to speak about our life. And so I have a vessel here this morning. And this vessel could be represented by our lives. Each one of us is a vessel. Would you consider yourself Brian? Would you consider yourself Brian? You are a vessel of God. So we are each a vessel. We have our own vessel, and God looks at us like a vessel. And so throughout Scripture, you'll find that there are lots of references to that. And if you look in Jeremiah chapter 18, I'm going to be reading at verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I don't know which version you use, but they're all good ones. This just happens to be the one that I choose. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. And then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made was of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Isn't it interesting as the potter works on us, he begins to shape our vessel, and sometimes it gets marred. And he's got to start over again, and he reshapes it, and he takes it, and he remolds it. And God is continuing to be at the potter's wheel in our lives and making us. He says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Chapter 19, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the potser gate. I was there. I was there. You know, I've written in my Bible all the places. I have, I have little notes in my Bible now. And I say, I was here. I was here. I'm just saying that, just saying that. And proclare, proclaim there the words that I will tell you. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, we understand that there's a process of making wine. How the dregs were removed from the wine so that the bitterness would be taken out. And the Bible talks about being poured out from vessel, like a vessel, vessel to vessel. To keep pouring forth until we get near the bottom... And what happens is that we let the dregs settle, and then we pour once again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So there's something of responsibility that's on us for our vessel. You can either be a vessel of honor, or you can be a vessel of dishonor. And one needs to know how to possess, how to take care of, how to manage, how to discipline your vessel. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. I think I've got it up on the screen here. And it says these words. 
But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. What the Lord wants to do is he wants to prepare each one of us to be a vessel of honor for him, prepared for his use. Now, by our own choices, we will either be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. You can be used by God in wonderful ways that will perpetuate the kingdom of God that will bring eternal value to your life and also to others around you. Or you can live your life as a vessel in opposition to the word of God. God is the one who fashions us. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God took the dust and the clay of the earth and he fashioned and he shaped us together just like the potter did in Jeremiah chapter 18. And so he's molding us and he's shaping us. Now here's the deal, folks. Are you yielding to his touch or not? You can be very brittle and hard-hearted and God's trying to mold you and there will be nothing that will happen. You have to come to that place where you are moldable, teachable, pliable, and there's something about, I love what we sang this morning, praise is the highway. Praise is the highway. There's something about worship, and you know, I heard that worship's a big part of your church. That just opens the heart to the Word of God. You understand what I mean? As, as worship happens, it's just even God can take away that hardness, and He can really make something special out of your lives. We are a treasure to God. Now, there's an incredible paradox here. How weak human beings can be used as an instrument of power for God. Isn't that something? And you think, well, I can't be used. Yes, you can. And it's an amazing thing how God can take us as, as frail, finite human beings and how he can use us as vessels, as conduits of his love, of his grace, and of his power. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Four weeks ago, I was standing in Gideon Spring. I want to tell you, this is like a pretty awesome deal. You remember the story in Judges chapter 7 where Gideon, oh, great man of valor. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to be the old great man of valor. He's just, a, he's just a really a nobody, and God wanted to use him. And here he is with 32,000 men, and they're ready to fight the Midianites. They have like 140,000 people. And it's like, okay, we're going to go fight the Midianites. And God says, you have too many men. Tell everybody that's afraid to go home. And so all the people that were scaredy cats, you can go. whole bunch of people left. I think there was like 10,000 left. Something to that effect. And, and God says, you still have too many people. And Gideon's like freaking out. No. God, I tell you what, those that lap up the water, get on their knees and lap up the water, send them home. And the ones that don't lap up the water want you to keep those. Now, the difference is there was, there was a whole bunch of them, 9,700 of them, that got down on their knees in the brook and they... And there was another group of people that had their sword in one hand 
And what they did is they didn't get down on their knees, but they put their hand in the water like this. They were ready to fight if they needed to. And, he, and the Lord said to Gideon, keep those people. There was only 300. Let the other 9,700 go home. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now you're ready to fight. How God can use frail human people for the kingdom of God is absolutely amazing. You see, they knew it wouldn't be them that would win the war. <laughs> we can't do this but God. Hallelujah. Now he says, I've got your attention. Hallelujah. Okay, that was free. The idea of a treasure is profound. Do you know that you are profound before the Lord God? It means you have value. No matter what people around you say about you, you have value. You are worth more to God than any other thing. But there's a problem that develops on our journey. Oh, great. You see, there's this problem that develops in our humanity. Things begin to beat around us. Is, do you find that? Things just kind of start beating against you. Things that devalue you. Things that chip away at you. Things that chip away at you. They chip away at your mold and your purpose. Things in our society, things in our culture, everything beats against us to try to destroy who we are. Our kids take a beating at school when they choose to be abstinent. I remember my daughter when she was growing up, she got ridiculed for being a virgin. Living the Christian life. People at work that rub against you, that keep on chipping away at your value, speaking against you. It's not popular to be a Christian in the workplace anymore, is it? Defending our faith in the political world is extremely difficult. In fact, being a Christian is now considered an extreme right wing. That's sad. All these challenges have a way of beating against our significance our self-confidence, things that we believe in. Time, day after day, day after day, week after week, it keeps chipping away at us. In fact, you know what? You have to be careful that you don't become hard and calloused over all the things that are happening in the world. I don't know about you. You can't even have a conversation with somebody about politics anymore without getting into a fight. You can't even share your opinion without somebody getting offended. And it keeps beating against you. So sometimes you just get hard and callous or you just shut up and you don't share anymore. You become discouraged. Well, then there's the disappointment of people in your life. And it just seems to escalate, doesn't it? When people just really come to this place... All of a sudden, things get a little bit more serious, don't they? A family crisis. A divorce. S 
sibling rivalries, squabbling with parents. Oh, there's stress at work. Dishonest employees, an overbearing boss, getting fired, getting laid off. These are big things that beat against us. Tension in the church. Pastor resigns. <laughs> I'm stepping down. New pastor coming in. Stress, stress. What do we do? How are we going to survive? Will the church continue? Yes, it will. These things just begin to break up your life. The things that you have no control over begin to control you. Life issues can produce a weariness and a hopelessness. And there's a breaking that happens and it's a falling apart. And when you feel like your life is coming apart at the seams and your life is dis disintegrating like a house of cards, what do you do? It is at this precise moment that you must choose brokenness. Allow God to break you. Here's the deal. Life isn't fair. Man, we used to say that to our kids all the time. Life isn't fair. Build a bridge and get over it. And how many of you found that life just isn't fair? Sometimes God and his intention just seems to get all messed up in my life. I had a plan. I wanted to work out my plan. And if you don't know me that well, but I'm a very much an ABC, one, two, three, little dot, little dot, little, little star, little star, little star. Kind of, I like things in order. I like to have my life all mapped out and just like, you know what? Life isn't fair. Somehow we see ourselves finished, washed up, and done. It was about 10 years ago on a Saturday morning, I was studying in my office and somebody came to the church office and was banging on the door. A man in his 50s says, my life is over. I've screwed up my life. I cheated on my wife. My kids don't love Jesus. I'm fighting with my wife. I'm losing my job. And I'm in trouble with the IRS. I have nothing left in my life. He came into the sanctuary. We came up to the altar. He knelt at the altar. A totally broken man that was weeping. I'm happy to say that 10 years later, he's now a man of God. And God has restored these things in his life. And he's a wonderful example and testimony of God's grace. Of how God can take someone that has a total place of brokenness and restore them. My friend, the hurtful breaking can become a place of godly brokenness if you will surrender. Now, really, you don't really want to surrender until you get to the bottom of the barrel, right? Because we still have this thing in us that we can fix ourselves. Who was talking about that this morning? Fixing ourselves. Daddy, fix it. You know, we just think we can fix it ourselves. You know what? We got to go to Papa. Papa's the one that can really fix it for us. So I was intrigued with the 19th chapter of Jeremiah. The Lord sends him to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the Potsherd Gate. This is one of the gates that surrounded Jerusalem, the place where the potters threw away their discards. We were standing 
in Jerusalem, and we were overlooking this area that was called, um, it was called uh, the place of discards, where they would throw all the broken pottery. It was an amazing sight. I took a picture of it um, to see where all of these pots were thrown. The pots hurt. Fragments. Broken pieces. Pieces that were marred. When the potter was making them, shaping and fashioning them, something happened and it got messed up. And the broken pieces were thrown into potter's field. And so we were overlooking potter's field and all the broken pieces. Job chapter 2 verse 8 says, And he took for himself, it was interesting, a potsherd with which to scrape himself, to scrape the boils off his face. Where Job would take that, some of these broken pieces and do that. Isaiah tells us that larger pieces were used to carry coal. So some of the other broken pieces, they were, they were used to carry coal from place to place. And Job was talking about how he would scrape the boils off his face. And so these broken pieces had uses that they were being used for. But it wasn't God's intended purpose for that vessel. There's a lot of people who feel like their lives are discards. And they have no hope. And they settle for being a has-been. Because they have a real story. The valley of the son of Hinnom was a dumping ground. A place for burning. Picture with me today, outside the gate of the city was all this rubble and all this refuse. Life and its pieces of life were all gathered here. Psalm 31, verse 10. I think I've got it up here. For my life is spent with grief. Do you feel like that this morning? My life is just grief. And my years with sighing. <sighs> my strength fails because of my iniquity. My bones are wasting away. I'm a reproach among my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. And I'm repulsive to my acquaintances. And those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I am a broken vessel. Am I describing you today? You say, that's me. There's no hope. Brian, I don't know your story. I just heard the announcement this morning. That might be you feeling. But you're sitting in the front row of church. You might be a totally broken vessel that God wants to reshape and remold. And he's got a plan for your life. Hallelujah. Perhaps you've long since given up hope because of life, because of people, because of circumstances, because of situations, because of storms, because of disappointments. It has beaten you down. Over 33 years ago, that was my story. To look at me today, you might not even know that would be a part of my story. My life didn't work out the way I planned it to. Somewhere along the journey, life happened. As a little boy, I had this vision of being like Billy Graham. Where I was going to preach to stadiums. 
and the Bill Gaither trio was going to be my singing people. And a little bit of a guy by the name of C.M. Ward, when I would give the altar call, and people would walk the long, long altar to the front, and Bill and Gloria would be singing on the side here, and thousands of people would come to Jesus. That hasn't happened. Made some wrong turns, had some disappointments. Actually had some irreversible decisions and some pretty bad consequences. I was married to my high school sweetheart at 18 years of age. Less than 10 years into our marriage, my wife decided that she didn't want to be married to me anymore. Fell in love with a drummer in the church and they ended up going away together. In my world, that was the kiss of death. Ministry's over, it's done. We used to joke about it. You can kill your wife, but you cannot, you, and you can still be a pastor, but if you get divorced, honey, it's over. It's over. The fat lady's singing, man. It's done. So I pursued a career in auto trader, taking pictures of cars. I was relegated to the pots, to the potter's field. What a could, what a shoulda. The has-beens. Lives that are screwed up, decisions that are horrible. That was me. One day I was in a church after the divorce. By the way, the darkest moment in my life. Darkest moment in my life. Kept on crying myself to sleep every night. I actually wished that somebody would come and beat me up so I could go to the hospital and I can recover. You know what I mean? But there was an emotional scar where I was a statistic of something that I used to preach against. I found a, uh, I went to YWAM and I found a gal there. Her name is Susan, whom I'm married to now. They said it wouldn't last. And next month it'll be 31 years. I was in a church in Vancouver, British Columbia. I was up at the altar on a Sunday night service. I'd known the pastor for a long, long time. He comes up, puts his hand on me. He says, Stephen, what are you doing with your life? I says, well, I'm working for Auto Trader. I have a brand new career, and I'm getting married to Susan. He says, no, no, that's not what I'm asking. What are you doing with your life? I says, Bob, I don't understand. What do you mean? He says, what are you doing with your life? He says, the call of God is on your life, and it is without repentance. Where are you going to church? Well, I go to this church and that church and up and down and over here. No, 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 no. You go to one church. You get submitted to that leadership and you let God do what God wants to do in your life. Yes, sir. Got submitted to that church. It wasn't months later that that pastor asked me to become the visitation pastor, the youth pastor, the worship pastor in that church. Okay. I was there for one year and then I got laid off. Are you kidding me? You can either get glad or mad when the curveballs of life come to you. They can either help you or ruin you. Well, because of that, I had an opportunity to come into the force. The forward square movement. 1988, we moved from Vancouver, British Columbia to Los Angeles, California. 
Pastor Bob is still one of my dear friends because I choose to get better and not bitter. It all, it all depends on what you do with what happens in your life. It's not so much about the actual what happens. Is do you choose to allow yourself to get better through it or to get bitter over it? And what was a reason becomes an excuse. Oh, I don't go to church anymore. I got hurt in church. Well, join the club. Who hasn't gotten hurt? Get over yourself. Or we have a saying in my church, build a bridge and get over it. Actually, build a bridge and get over yourself. Hallelujah. I have three words for you. Breaking, brokenness, and breakthrough. Is there any hope for you? You bet there is. Once again, I was looking at a man by the name of Nehemiah. One of the snapshots of this man is that he's a picture of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. How the Holy Spirit works in restoring our lives. How the Holy Spirit rebuilds our lives, regardless of the place that you find yourself in. Nehemiah chapter 2, it says, A man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. My friend, the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit is here today for you. Nehemiah is now out by night and no one can see him. He's out at night looking at all the broken down walls and all the burned down gates. Distress, the waste, the fires. In verse 17, he returns to the people and Nehemiah says these words. Let us rebuild the wall that we may no longer be a reproach. In the midst of a total mess, Nehemiah impregnates them with a message of hope. He says, come on, we can rebuild the wall. And I know you'd be disappointed if I didn't do a song by Bill Gaither. <laughs> and I don't want to disappoint you, my friend. If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And the hopes for life's best were the hopes that I harbored down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes, my castles all crumbled, my fortune turned to loss. So I just wrapped it all in the rags of my life and I laid it at that old cross. Something beautiful. Does anybody know it? Something good. All my confusion Jesus understood all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. He has. I never thought in my wildest dreams 
that I'd be back in ministry. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I'd be able to pastor a church. But when God breaks you, he brings you through that place of breaking and brokenness. He brings you to a breakthrough that changes your life forever and you never look back. I got four words for you in closing here. Number one, believe in the one who believes in you. Say that with me. Do I have it up here? Say it with me. Believe in the one who believes in you. Where is it that your capacity to believe has died? Friends, he's the God of miracles. My God is not dead. He's alive. Hallelujah. And I'm asking you to once again believe in the God who believes in you. He has the power to reshape, to remold, and to rebuild. I remember those days in my life when I was like this, I remember my mother sitting across the table from me, looking at me and saying these words, Stephen, I still believe in you. <sighs> now, it's good to have somebody with skin on to say that to you. Okay? I love it that God says that, but it's nice when someone, and I believe that this is a church that has people with skin on that says that to you. That I believe in you, no matter how much crap is in, I mean, how much stuff is in your life. Come on. I still believe in you. Now, maybe you have the same disease that I do. I believe the best in people to a fault. Even when all the evidence says elsewhere, I still choose to believe. And you know what? It's painful. It's painful. But it's worth it. And that's what we're called to do, friend. Hallelujah. Okay, shut up. Psalm 22, my strength is dried up, like a, dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the, to, to the dust of death. Psalm 147, it says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Woo, somebody got to get excited about that one. Hallelujah. Number two, don't believe the lie in pity. Pity will keep you where you are. Pity will help you feel sorry for yourself. Oh, my life isn't fair. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I had the wrong parents. I had the wrong this and the wrong that. I have no education. I'm, I'm call the ambulance. Folks, don't live there. Don't live there. Pity will make you live your life like a discard, like a victim. The unfair things that have happened to you do not have to govern who you will be. The devil says you're nothing but a loser and a has-been, but I'm here to tell you that your future is as bright as the promises of God. God's bigger than any of your brokenness if you will submit yourself and surrender to him. It's time to get over your pity party. Number three, I challenge you to develop a fighting spirit. Come on. Come on, devil, let's go. Come on, let's go. I read somewhere. If God before me. Did you read that too? Who can be against you? Hallelujah. Come on. Now, I want to tell you, though, that it's not a walk in the park. This is a war. 
And when you signed on to a life of Christianity, you signed up for battle. It's about kingdoms. It's about paradigms. It's about the world being obliterated. It's about the kingdom of God reigning in your life. Oh, hallelujah. It's time to get up. Get some backbone. Because what you're taking on is you're going to have a fight. It's going to be a war zone. And I read somewhere else that it says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. That's your signal. Did you get it? Now you're ready to contend for breakthrough. Can you just get a vision of what God might want to do in your life? We have a gal in our church. She, I think she's had four DUIs. Last time she appeared before the judge, actually it was the second last time before she appeared before the judge, he said, I don't want to see you in my courtroom again. If I see you in my courtroom again, I'm throwing the book at you. And he saw her in his courtroom again and threw the book at her. Locked her up for seven years. She had a little boy, a little five-year-old boy. Pretty devastating. She took it like a champ. She realized there's consequences to my decisions. Went to women's prison in Lusk, Wyoming. Got out through time, good behavior. Actually got back into Laramie, got to working again. And then she just kind of did a really dumb thing. She violated her parole. She left the state without letting her PO know that she was leaving the state. She got picked up, thrown right back into prison. She's in prison right now, hoping to get to a halfway house. Next month, wants to get back to Laramie. She's a part of our church. We love her. Now, some people will say, forget her. She's done. No, she's not. As God's people, we need we stand with her. She's part of our family. We love her. Here's the thing we have in our church. You know what the good news is? We're family. Mm-hmm. Bad. bad news? We're family. We're family. Come on, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. just close your eyes Romans chapter 9 verse 17 for this very purpose I raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared in all the earth 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness Ephesians now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and Jude now unto him who's able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, I love that. With exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. As the Holy Spirit is walking through your rubble, the rubble of your life, he has something in mind. He wants to take all your stuff. You see, here's the problem, folks. You can look back at me. When I try to put myself back together, it doesn't work, does it? But when you bring it to Jesus, there's something that happens. There's a miracle that takes place. me back together stronger than I was before somehow there's a miracle that takes place and God remolds me and reshapes me this is where the illustration just gets out of hand don't you want to get out of hand with God that he can look at you and and and, and people can look at your life and say how I don't Debbie is that your name I don't understand well, you used to be like that. How? I don't get it. How does this happen? And you say, to God be the glory. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I know we're done. What, what do you want to do? I love this song. There's something, as you were singing, as you were playing this song during the offering, it just impacted me. Because you do this thing, dun, 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 dun. Yep. <laughs> dun, dun. You know what? You can hear it coming. I can hear the Lord coming. I can hear it coming. Does that make sense to you? When I hear that song, it's like, it's like all of a sudden, oh, do it again. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again like you did of old, like you did in Gideon, like you did in Mount Carmel. Oh, God, do it again. Do it again in my life. Hallelujah. Change me according to your purposes. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
just say yes to you, Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you can slip your hand up right now and say, you know what? I want to start right there. I want to say yes to him today. I want to be a vessel of honor. And that's his heart for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, raise your hand real high. We'll pray with you right now before you leave today. Does anyone need to do that? We don't want to miss out if you do. So we say yes to you, Lord. We say yes today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that in your hand, though we are weak, we are strong. You take the brokenness of our lives, God, and you don't just duct tape us and chicken wire us together, but you make all things new, God. You make all things new, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. If you need prayer today, come receive it from one of our prayer team members who will be up front right now. Thank you, Pastor Stephen. That was an awesome word. Have an amazing week. Go out and give up. Thank you.